This Easter, I want to talk with you about the benefits of believing in Jesus. But then secondly, I want to talk with you about how to make sure that you really are believing in Jesus. Those two things we want to talk about today. But first, let's begin with the Easter story. This is how the Bible begins it on the very first Easter. It says, early in the morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. And she said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. Let me stop for just a moment and say, you know, at this point, they did not expect a resurrection. Didn't expect it. Even though Jesus had said many, many times, I'm going to die, and on the third day I'll rise again, they didn't understand that. They just didn't believe that. And so they didn't expect this resurrection. They thought somebody just stole his body. Scripture goes on to say, Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped, looked in, and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. And I want to stop there again. You know, that's pretty strange. I mean, if you're going to take a dead body, if you're going to steal a dead body from a tomb, you're not going to unwrap the linen wrappings around the body. You're not going to fold up the face cloth and lay it neatly where Jesus had been laying and then carry a dead, bloody, naked body out of a tomb. If you're going to steal a body, you're going to run in at dark, you're going to grab it, and you're going to go as is. But then the Bible goes on and says, Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, And he saw, and look at this, and believed. He saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said, Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Here's the question I want to ask this this Easter. Can you say, yes, I too have dared to believe. I too have believed, like Peter and the disciples, that Jesus is God and he's risen from the grave? Have you dared to believe that he's God that came to earth in the flesh and took on a human form? Do you believe with all your heart that Jesus lived a sinless life and then he took that sinless life and let it be nailed to a cross voluntarily? And he used that sinless life to pay the price that we owed? Have you dared to believe that Jesus then rose from the dead and walked out of the tomb? Have you dared to believe that Jesus then appeared to over 500 people before he ascended to the Father? Have you dared to believe that he lives today and he's seated now at the right hand of the Father? Have you dared yet in this point in your life to believe all of that? You see, if you have, and you do believe all of that, there are three things that I want to share with you first that you get. Three things. First of all, write this one down. When you believe in Jesus, you get forgiveness. Amen? Anybody want some forgiveness now and then? You get 
forgiveness. For every sinful thing that you've ever done, God calls off your punishment, and instead, you get his forgiveness. The Bible says it this way. All who believe in Jesus will be forgiven of their sins through Jesus' name. Everybody go with me. Amen. Isn't that awesome? We labor sometimes under a load of guilt for all the stuff we've done. But he says right there, if we believe in Jesus, we will be forgiven. So listen, if you dare believe that Jesus is God, that he paid for your sins on the cross, that he rose from the dead, your sins will be forgiven because he used his life to pay for all sins once and for all. And if you dare to believe that, if you dare to receive him as Savior and Lord into your life, your sins are forgiven. And here's the neat thing. From that point on, when God the Father looks at you, he no longer sees the sins in you, but he sees Jesus in you. Amen? He sees Jesus, his son, in you, who has washed you completely clean. The Bible says it this way. We are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we can all be saved in the same way, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. Let that sink in. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, no matter what you have done in your life, no matter who you have done it with, no matter how long you have done it, you get forgiveness. And you get saved from the penalty of your sin when you believe in Jesus Christ and you trust him to take your sins away. Next, second thing you get, then you get strength. You get forgiveness and you get strength. Now, I'm not talking about some kind of muscular strength that comes from working out in the gym. I'm talking about a spiritual inner strength that comes from God alone. A strength that is far greater than your own. A strength that's beyond your own. Now, I would, I would just kind of wager this morning that some of you are living with a power shortage. A power shortage, a strength shortage. Maybe because you're not plugged into God's power. Instead, you're trying to live with your own power. But that's like refusing to take your cell phone and plug it into an outlet. An outlet which is the source of power for yourself. That's like saying, Come on, cell phone, you can do it. Come on, cell phone, you've been there, right? <laughs> Keep on going. I just, one more call, come on, come on, you can do it. That's like cheering your life along, but you're not plugged into the source of power. But we know that every cell phone comes to a place where it just can't go on. There's no more juice, amen? You've been there, right? <laughs> just no more juice, it just can't go on. And if you try to live your life in your own strength, sooner or later, you're not going to be able to function the way that God created you to function. You've got no more juice. You just can't go on. But God gives to those who believe in Jesus a strength that's beyond their own. Take a look at this. The Bible says, God, who? 
God gives power. To those who are tired, tired people here this morning, (laughs) those who are worn out, and he offers strength to the weak. God gives power in just the right moment, in just the right amount to meet your need, to help you go on, to help you endure, to help you overcome. So when you believe in Jesus, first, you get forgiveness, and we all need that. Second, you get strength. And then third, you get heaven. And all of God's church says, amen. Third thing you get is heaven. When you close your eyes and you take your last breath, that's not it for those who believe in Jesus. Amen? You get heaven. When you die, when you die, yes, we we watch the casket go into the ground. Your body stays in the ground until Jesus comes back. But immediately your spirit goes to be with Jesus in heaven. And when you die, you're not just floating somewhere. (laughs) You're in a place. And that place is called heaven. You're with Jesus, your Savior and your Lord, if you've believed in him. Jesus says it this way himself. He says, I am the one who raises the dead and gives them life again. Anyone who believes in me, even though he dies, shall live again. He is given eternal life for believing in me and shall never perish. Life in heaven. Church, let's say amen. Amen? Amen. That's what we get. When you believe in Jesus, you get forgiveness, you get strength for living, you get heaven. So here's what I want you to think about. Where else can you get those things? Nowhere. Who else can give you those things? No one. The truth is, if you don't get those things from Jesus, you don't get them. So the question is, how can you make sure that you get forgiveness, that you get strength for living, and you get heaven when you die? The answer is this. You've got to dare to believe in Jesus Christ. You've got to take that that step of faith and dare to step out and say, Jesus Christ, I may not have all the answers. I still may have some questions, but I'm going to dare to believe in you. I want to make sure this morning that you understand what it means to believe in Jesus because lots of people think that they they believe in Jesus, but they really don't. They really don't. They do believe some things about Jesus. They have some head knowledge about Jesus, but they're going to miss these things we're talking about because they haven't trusted their heart to Jesus. The Bible says this, do you think it's enough to believe there's one God? Even the demons believe that. And they tremble because they know that there's one God. Folks, even demons believe in Jesus, but they're not going to be in heaven. You see, really believing in Jesus is more than just having some head knowledge about Jesus. It's more than just believing that he existed and he did some good things. If you believe in someone, it means that you actually put your trust in them. That you cling to them. That you rely on them that you commit your life to them. So you can believe some things about Jesus, but if you don't really believe in him, you're in trouble. Folks, we need to put our trust in him, cling to him, rely on him, and commit to him. You see, there's more 
than having some head knowledge about him that's important. What's important is having a heart that's fully trusting him to be your Savior and Lord. So today, I want to use the word trust as kind of an acrostic there on your outline to help us understand what it means to believe in Jesus. And, and if you're doing these things, you will absolutely get forgiveness for your sins, strength for daily living, and heaven when you die. Write this down. First, when you believe or trust in Jesus, you turn everything over to him. When you trust Jesus to be your Savior and Lord, you turn your whole life over to him. All the good, all the bad, all the secrets, you turn them all over to him, everything. And you ask him to control everything in your life. My, my, my relationships, Lord, control those. God, my health stuff, be Lord of that. My finances, my sex life, my kids, my family, God, control it all. I want you to be both my Savior and my Lord. Savior of my life and Lord of my life. God, I've messed up so much in the past. I need you to be my Lord, to guide me, direct me. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. God made it that simple to have a relationship with him. God made it that simple to get forgiveness and strength in heaven. So if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart those two things, you'll be saved from the penalty for your sins, which is eternity in hell, separated from God. And instead, you'll get eternity in heaven. Now, I believe this morning, because we've gathered here, that most of us have already done the second thing. We've already believed that Jesus was raised from the dead. We understand it's a proven fact in secular history, proven fact in biblical history. But lots of people have not done the first thing. They have not confessed with their mouth that Jesus is the Lord of their life. They've not allowed Jesus to be the Lord of their life. So what does that mean to let him be Lord? It means you ask him to become your master, your CEO, the boss of your life. And it means that then you tell, when you do that, you tell others with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord. I humbled myself before God. I asked him to be my boss, my master. It means that you have come under new management, his, amen? You're under his management, his leadership, his lordship. So when you believe or you trust in Jesus, the first thing you do is you turn everything over to him. And write this down. The second thing you do is you begin to relax in him. You begin to relax in his love for you and the promises that he has for you. You know, the opposite of relaxing is working, right? You know how to work. Sometimes we struggle to know how to relax. But we've got to learn how to relax in the fact that God loves us right where we are, right as we are. Maybe he doesn't want us to stay as we are, but we need to relax in the fact that he loves us right here, right now. You don't have to work to get God to love you. You don't have to work to earn the love of Jesus. He already loves you. In fact, you can't make him stop loving you. Take a look at this. The Bible says nothing will ever be able to separate us from his love. So folks, you can relax in the fact that God will forever love you. Even when you've messed up, he's never stopped loving you. He's just waiting for you to come back home to him. Amen? 
relax in his love. When you believe and trust in Jesus, you turn everything over to him. You relax knowing that he loves you. And then third, write this down. And then you use your life to serve him. You see, God did not come to earth, die on a cross, and pay for all your sins so that you could just live a selfish little old life. (laughs) He created you to serve him and to serve others. He didn't create you to just go to school, get a job, make money, and then spend your money to enjoy the pleasures of life. God did not create you to just live for you. He made you to live for something beyond you. You were created to use your life to serve God, your Savior, and your Lord. And you do that by serving others. You you do that by using your life, your hands, your feet, your resources to help others in need. You do that by being God's hands here on this earth. You were put on this planet to be a tool in God's hands to help other people understand how much God loves them. So the Bible says it this way, give yourselves completely to God to be tools in the hands of God to be used for his good purposes. So out of gratitude to Jesus for all he's done for you, would you begin after this Easter to just be a tool in his hands that he can use to help somebody in need? Now let me be really blunt. If you claim to believe in Jesus, but you have no desire to serve him or serve others, then you should begin to really question if you really are a believer or a follower of Jesus Christ. Because once you truly believe in Jesus and you receive him into your life, it changes your wants. When the God of love fills your heart and your life, his love is just trying to get out of you to other people. And he comes in with his passion for others and he changes you and gives you a passion for others. And so if if you have no desire and no passion to serve others, then you need to question if you've really invited Christ into your life. You need to truly believe and trust him as your Savior and your Lord. And if you are, you'll be doing things for him and for others. The Bible says it this way, God has created us for a life of good works, which he's already prepared for us to do. You see, before you were ever born, God decided what kind of works that he wanted you to do with your life. And so he gave you certain abilities and a certain personality that you could do those good works with. But lots and lots of people just live life for themselves and they never do the things that God created them to do. And because of that, they not only miss the ministry that God planned for them, but also the joy and the meaning that God had planned for them to experience. When you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, use your life to serve him and others. And then next, you're going to love this one, suffer for him. When you believe and trust in Jesus Christ, be willing to suffer for him. One who truly believes in Jesus is willing, if necessary, to take a stand for Jesus and to suffer for him. Here's the truth. Believing in Jesus and following his ways and his word, his model, is not for weaklings. It's not always easy to do the right thing. It's not always easy or convenient to obey God's word in our culture. You could be criticized, you could be mocked, you could be persecuted, and in some countries, you can be murdered for believing in Jesus. Did you know that every year, more Christians, more than any other faith, 
are murdered because they simply believe in Jesus? Every year in Kenya, 147 students gathered at a, at a university. and All they were doing was gathering to pray together. Terrorists came in and killed them all. Why? Because they believed in Jesus. ISIS, as you know, is beheading Christians and burning churches. Why? Because people believe in Jesus. There may come a time when you need to take a stand for Jesus and it may be necessary for you to suffer. Would you be willing for the one who suffered on a cross for you? If necessary, would you suffer for him? Would you not betray him? Would you not run from him? Would you not walk away? Would you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, and if you take my life, I know I've got heaven. Amen? Amen. The Bible says this, you've not only been given the privilege of believing in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for him. The question is, he suffered for you, will you suffer for him? Believers are willing to do that. When you believe or trust in Jesus Christ, you suffer for him. And then here's last this morning. You trust what the Bible says about him. You believe what the Bible says about Jesus and you obey the commands that Jesus gives to you. You don't pick and choose a a command from the Bible. You don't go, man, I like that command. I'll do that. But this one, (laughs) I'm not gonna obey this one. You, You don't pick and choose what you're going to obey. No, a true believer says, if God said it, That settles it. If God said it, I will do it. The Bible says, for the word of the Lord always holds true. And everything he does is worthy of our trust. So how many of you believe and trust everything you hear on the radio? How many of you believe and trust everything that you see on TV? How many of you believe that if God said it, that it's always true? And you can always trust it. Amen? Ah, I see some wonderful hands going up. If you believe that, then why can't we spend five minutes a day listening to something that we know is 100% true and always trustworthy? But we can spend 30 minutes a day listening to Access Hollywood, finding out more about the Kardashians, right? Or whoever. Whatever God has said, you can trust. And God has not only given us commands to follow, but also promises to claim. Did you know there's 7,000 promises that God has given to us in his word? You can trust God to keep his promise. But some who say they do believe in Jesus when times get tough, when things don't go as planned, when their health declines, when their kids mess up, when they're in physical pain, when they experience some loss of a loved one, there's some who... Stop following Jesus. They, they, they stop and they walk away. And yet there's others on the other side who've gone through long-term suffering and their trust in God has just gotten stronger. And in the midst of their suffering, their lives, in spite of their circumstances, has become more beautiful and, and more fruitful. So what makes the difference between the two? It's that the latter chose to run to God in their tough times instead of running from him. They ran to him instead of from him. And those who run to God when they face these unexplained tragedies, I want you to know they not only survive, but they thrive. 
they really thrive. They thrive because they continue to put their trust in Jesus. And when they do that, he enables them to endure. He empowers them to keep on going. And he blesses them in the midst of their tragedy and even brings something good out of their bad. Now, some of you are thinking, but pastor, you you just don't know all of the things that I have gone through, all of the pains and losses and, and hurts that I have gone through. And that's true, I don't. But I can tell you, I've experienced my God meeting me in some of the things that he's allowed me to go through. When I was a child in just 24-month period, two-year period, I experienced losing seven of my close family members to death. And as a young kid, that was so painful, so hurtful. I was close to all of those aunts and uncles and grandparents and great-grandparents. As a young married couple, Shirley and I experienced two miscarriages back-to-back, two babies that we lost back-to-back, and both were at four and a half months along. And we thought, okay, we're past the the first trimester. We're going strong. We're, We're doing good. And then it happened. And then we got pregnant again, and then it happened again. As a young pastor with a young family that I just moved to California I began to experience an unexplainable anxiety and panic attacks. And I was saying, God, you've called me to be in front of people. What's going on? I couldn't understand it. I could barely get up and speak. At the same time, I experienced losing 50% of my hearing in this left ear. I said, God, what's going on? Had to have surgery to get it corrected. As parents, Shirley and I experienced one of our daughters having a major back surgery in her sophomore year in high school. For seven years, she struggled through pain. We couldn't get a correct diagnosis, and her pain just got worse and worse and worse, and finally it was diagnosed, and she had back surgery, and there was a hospital bed in our our family room, and, and she was having to stay home from her sophomore year and be homeschooled in her house. It was a hard time. And as a young pastor, one and a half years after we started this church, as many of you remember, in the early 90s, Canyon Hills... And California experienced a recession. And in that recession, over 100 people left our church to go find jobs elsewhere. And as a new church, that was really tough uh, on us. And and I had to cut immediately $85,000 from our budget. And I had to let staff go. And I had to take on their workload. And so I was pastor and worship leader for a while. You would have loved that, right? (laughs) Had to kind of do a whole lot of things. And then not long ago, after we built this facility, our our last recession hit, and I had to immediately cut $300,000 from our budget and reduce everybody's salaries on staff. It was a hard time. As parents, Shirley and I experienced our son going to war in Iraq for two years and didn't know if we'd ever see him again. Not long ago, many of you understand that, that Shirley went through and was diagnosed with thyroid cancer and had her thyroid removed, and that was just really a, a tough time. Also, Shirley and I both experienced one of our parents dying. And there's many, many other hard things that we've gone on and and endured. And you might be saying, well, Pastor, why in the world did you keep serving a God that let you go through all of that? I mean, you were serving him, and, and, and yet he was just letting you go through all of that. Well, here's my answer why. I kept running to God and not from God. I started my relationship with Jesus. When I was seven years old, 
And I've now had a relationship with him for 55 years. Some of you are thinking you're doing the math. You're, you're old, Pastor. <laughs> you're old. But over that time, I've developed a real friendship with Jesus. And no matter what hit my life, in every one of those times, his presence was so real. His hand of blessing, his hand of grace, his hand of provision and strength was upon me. So it would have been senseless for me to ever move away from him, my helper, my God, and my friend. I trusted him. I trusted his word. I claimed his promises. I'm here to tell you that he's carried us through every one of those things. And we've learned so much. Had we not suffered some of those crosses, if we hadn't had to bear some of those crosses, we would have missed learning so much. And we would have missed experience, experiencing the realness of Jesus in our lives. Amen? Now, I don't know that all that you're going through today, but I do feel led to dare you to believe in Jesus and dare to place your, your whole trust in Him. I dare you to run to Jesus and never run from Him. Because the Bible says this, to all who receive Him, to those who believe in His name, Jesus gave the right to become children of God. So how do you become a child of God and, and so you can get that forgiveness and that strength in heaven? You just receive Him and you put your whole trust in Him. Now most of you have done the second part. You believed in Jesus Christ. You believed he died and he existed and he rose again from the cross. So you're halfway there. You have a belief. But you also need to receive him as the Lord of your life. You need to really put your T-R-U-S-T, trust in him. That means you need to turn everything in your life over to him. And relax in his love that he loves you even when you mess up. You then need to begin to use your life to serve him and others. It means you then begin to suffer if necessary to stand for him and his word. And it means that you trust what the Bible says about him and what he says to you. Because look at this, folks, as we close, the Bible says, this is what God wants you to do. Believe in the one he sent. I dare you to believe this morning. If you choose to believe and receive Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, it'll change your life forever and for the better. As we close, would you bow with your heads with me? Dare to believe in Jesus. Dare to receive him and dare to trust him. Folks, I'm going to lead you in a prayer and you can do all of that by praying this prayer in your heart. But you got to mean it. You just can't recite the words and not mean it. Would you pray this prayer in your heart and mean it from your heart? And would you leave this place this Easter with Jesus as your Savior and your Lord?
Here's the prayer. Recite it in your heart. Father God, I want the benefits that come from believing in Jesus. I do want forgiveness. I want strength for living in heaven when I die. So on this Easter Sunday, I ask that you forgive my sins. I ask that you come into my life. Today I put my whole life into your hands. I trust you. And no matter what happens, I will run to you, not from you. I ask today that you become my Savior and my Lord. From now on, I will follow you. If you prayed that prayer, whether you were recommitting your life to him or it was the first time you ever prayed it, would you just simply say, Pastor, I want you to know God spoke to my heart and today I prayed that prayer. Would you just lift your hand wherever you are? I'm not going to embarrass you. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. Father, I'm just thrilled to know that whenever we sincerely pray a prayer like that, you hear it. And you have done already what we have asked. You've become our Savior. You've become our Lord. We praise you for that fact. We leave this place this day to walk with you. Pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.